everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Okay, so this week I'm doing something a little bit different with my K-drama discussions and something I kind of, I'm going to say, wrestled with myself about whether to do or not. (laughs) So I have this kind of unspoken rule, which has never been spoken to you, um, but I guess I had this thing in my head about my podcast show that I really, really do prefer to talk about dramas that I've actually finished. I know that over the last, like, 60 episodes, um, sometimes occasionally I've talked about a show that I didn't finish or, you know, something like that. Um, but I think mostly I love it if I can do a new drama every week and it be something that I watched in full. Um, and the idea of that is that then I know I'm telling the truth <laughs> when I do my discussion. If I say I loved it, then I know I did love it if I watched it to the end. Um, and, you know, vice versa, if I fucking hated it. Um, so I can be honest about my feelings. Um, but the reason that I have decided after, you know, much wrestling with myself uh, to deviate from that unspoken rule is that earlier this year in 2020, um, I was watching two shows. And I was really, 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 really fucking loving them both. I really liked them. And then, um, you know, we had this whole global pandemic thing happen. (laughs) And I guess everyone in my entire city, if not entire country, started working from home at the same time. And because of that, my internet just basically... um, it, I, I don't know how the internet works. It kind of dried up. <laughs> there didn't seem to be much left for watching dramas. Um, so I, I really pushed through for a while, um, particularly with one of the shows, because I really loved it so much and I wanted to watch it. Um, but I ended up, you know, watching a whole episode in like 30, 30 second, like little segments and then it would freeze again. And then I just, I, I watched the whole episode, but it nearly killed me. So after that, I was like, I need to wait till, you know, the internet frees up until life returns to normal, um, before I keep going with this show. And as everyone who's listening is probably aware, life did not return to normal. <laughs> that is not what happened. Um, so, you know, the consequence of that was that I did not go back to that drama 
because it was months and months before I kind of felt like it would work again. Um, you know, that particular streaming site would, you know, maybe be freed up and I could watch it again. Um, and by the time I went back, it had been literally so many months that I had no fucking clue, <laughs> like all the intricacies of the plot anymore. I could still remember, you know, I can remember the main setup. I can remember who the characters were. I remember what I loved about it, but I just can't really remember all the minutiae of the plot and where I was up to and what was going on. And so I kept putting off going back to it because I felt like I needed to start from the beginning. But I was like three fucking quarters way through and I didn't really want to go back to the beginning. So it became this big kind of like thing. And then, you know, I just never went back to it. And I feel a lot of regret about it because it's, um, it's a show that I really, really wanted to talk about um, on the podcast. And in the end, I've kind of decided that I know there's a lot of listeners out there that sometimes listen to podcasts like mine because they're looking for shows to try. They're looking for new things that maybe they haven't had a go at watching and they want to know whether it's worth their time or not. So even though I didn't finish this drama, um, particularly one that I'm going to talk about today about both of them, the second one's super short um, and easy to watch. Um... I guess I do want to suggest them anyway. I think that they're very good. I think that they're really, really good. And if you hear me talking about them today, I'll just talk about the general setup and what I really liked about each show. And I hope it will encourage you to give give them a go. I still want to return to them at some point, but it's kind of hard for me now because I feel like I have like less time for rewatching stuff and, you know, I'm particularly trying to keep on top of um, my K-drama watching because of the podcast. It can be quite difficult and I think it does sort of um, maybe push you to choose certain things. And I've noticed that since I started the podcast, I, I really prefer to watch shorter dramas, like 16 episodes, because, you know, that's easier to watch a 16 episode drama and then, you know, do a discussion on it for my podcast for a whole episode and then be on to something new. So I'll have something new to discuss, you know, next week. So it's really hard, I think, sometimes. And I have noticed it impact the way that I watch dramas. So for instance, I think if I didn't have the podcast, I would have been like, well, maybe I'll just start from the beginning again. You know, maybe I'll go back to the start of the show and I'll watch that however many 12 episodes I watched or something and I'll do it again. But now I'm like, oh, that's, that's a huge time commitment. And I guess I just don't have a lot of time these days, but it kind of is really sad to me because, um, I don't want to not talk about, particularly one of these shows on the podcast, because I think it's cool. I think it's really fucking cool. And I really hope that, um, you know, this might inspire some of you guys to give it a go. And then if you do watch it at the end, let me know what you think, um, because <laughs> I didn't get there <laughs> really sadly, because it's a cool show. All right, I'll stop just sitting here going, it's a cool show. And I'll actually tell you about the cool show and what, what I thought was cool about it. Okay, so the first show that I want to talk about with you guys today is called The Game Towards Zero. So this show is a 16 episode, I'm going to say gritty, dark, kind of a detective mystery thriller. Um, I, I really associate it with that whole OCN vibes Um it's not, it's M NBC, <laughs> but uh, I do really associate it with that kind of aesthetic that OCN does so well. 
Um, this story is like, I'm very attracted to these kind of detective mysteries. And it was definitely the story that I think, and the concept that really drew me into wanting to watch this show when I first heard about it, or at least wanting to give it a go. And it actually ended up being really, really good. Like I was hooked. Um, it, it kind of has a twist, I suppose, in that it, it has a supernatural element, but not supernatural in the sense of ghosts or, you know, that kind of mythology. It's more that one of the main characters, played by the actor Tekyon, has an ability. And it really, really impacts the story in this very cool, dreamy very creepy way. Like I fucking loved it. Um, the concepts and ideas in this show is what is just so compelling and interesting. Um, so like I said, only 16 episodes. I think I got to about three quarters of the way through and I was fully, fully hooked. Like I felt like the drama didn't even, I think, make even one misstep up until like maybe episode nine. And then some of the dialogue, I was like, oh, it's a little bit cheesy. But I think up until that point, I was like, I think this drama is fucking perfect, like actually perfect. It was so compelling and interesting to me and I couldn't really guess which way it was going and what it was trying to do. So I'm going to tell you kind of the very general setup of the concept. Um, I Like I said, you know, it's been a couple of months and I don't remember all the minutiae anymore. I actually have a really fucking bad memory, which is why when I watch a show, I like to record my podcast episodes like as soon as I can <laughs> once it's done, um, which is not obviously something I was able to do with this show. Um, but I just feel like it would be so sad if I didn't get to share some of my thoughts about it. And even just talking about it now, it's kind of bringing it back to me and I'm feeling really, really excited. This show was really, really cool. Um, I, I do wish I knew how it ended just um, to kind of figure out if I thought it was cool the whole way through. So if you do decide to watch it, I would really, really love to know your thoughts. Um, so like I said, I was more drawn to the concept and the mystery of the show than kind of the actors. Um, but I do really like every single one of the main actors in this. They're, they're people that I don't necessarily follow from drama to drama or, you know, in Tekyon's case, I do accidentally. I'm always interested in his new dramas, but more because of the concept than because of him. He just always happens to be starring in things that I'm like, ooh, that sounds interesting. So Tekyon is the main character. He is this, he's kind of a consultant. So he has this mad ability to see people's deaths. You know, he can look at a photo or look at a person and he sees the moment of their death. He might not necessarily know when, like a date or, you know, anything like that particularly, but he can see it unfolding before him. The really interesting thing I think about Tekyon is he uses it to his advantage. He lives in this big, richy, rich house. He's a consultant to the rich and the famous. It's all very secretive, but, you know, a lot of people use his services and pay him a lot of money. So he takes advantage of it, but... At the same time, I think the drama really explores the the darker side of what that would actually be like. Can you imagine what it would feel like if every time you met someone new, you saw the moment of their death? And not everyone who you meet is lucky enough to die of old age in their sleep. You know, a lot of people don't die well. And that's the truth. Even if you die of sickness in a hospital, being faced with that every day, every time you see someone new would be fucking horrific, like really, really horrific. Um, 
And I think the drama kind of delves into a little bit of what that has done to Taekyeon's character's <laughs> kind of um, mindset. And I think there's this resigned loneliness about him that is actually quite deep and sad once you kind of get past his like, you know, suave, cool sort of exterior. I think they peel that back very quickly and you realize that this is a man who doesn't have a lot of hope left. Like he's just living his life, but he's completely confined by this ability and it really, really isolates him from other people. He can't be close to people. He can't be friends. He can't fall in love. He can't forge connections. Like it's actually very, very dark. And I think it's presented in a really good way. Um, so the other main character is the female lead played by the actress Lee Yeon Hee. So Lee Yeon Hee is an actress that I, I just really, really like her. Um, I just, there's something about her that I quite like. I don't watch a lot of her shows because she's in things sometimes that I'm just don't really feel very interested in um, or, you know, couldn't watch for whatever reason. But um, as an actress, I actually really like her. I, I don't know what it, like the general perception is around Eon He now, but I think back in the day when I first started watching dramas, I don't think people thought she was a very good actress and maybe she got a bit of like hate about it online and stuff. I'm not really sure if that is still happening or not, but I actually really, really like her. And I think she's really good in this show. She plays this very kind of earthy, gritty detective. And I think because the other two main characters, you know, Taekyeon's character with his ability and then um, the other, the second male lead um, played by the actor Im Ju Hwan, who's, you know, a mad, this isn't really a spoiler because it comes out within like two episodes, but he's a mad serial killer. So they're both very larger than life in their abilities or in what they're doing. And she's this very grounded, gritty, tough detective. And I think I think her character it just works really well in this kind of show to kind of pin things down and have this very solid, realistic, gritty kind of core that these larger than life things and people and actions can kind of, I don't know, surround. I think it works really well for me. Um, so obviously there's a bit of a love line between Eon He's character and Taekyeon's character because, of course, when Taekyeon first meets her through chance, um, when he looks into Eon He's character's face, this detective, he cannot see her death. And you can imagine how interesting that is for him, like how much he would just immediately want to latch onto her with everything he's got like she is a sign of hope like yes she's pretty and hot and interesting but also he can forge an actual real human connection with someone that isn't completely ruined and destroyed by being able to see her death every time he even looks in her face um so I totally get um I did feel like the romance is a little bit I think it's really nice and it feels very grounded and slow, but at the same time, I think because of Taekyeon's like, you know, immediate instant, like, oh my God, this is the woman. This is the one I kind of need to be with. You're kind of left with a little bit of like, does he love her because he loves her? Does he love her because when he looks into her face, he doesn't have to see an awful violent death. <laughs> and I, I kind of feel like, at the start is probably a little bit more of the latter. He just, he loves being able to look at her and actually see her features instead of seeing her like dying on the ground, which is 
fucking fair enough, I feel. <laughs> He's had a really hard life. Um, so the third main character, um, who, you know, it's not a major spoiler, but he is like a complete murderer. But, um, He's played by the actor Im Ju Hwan, who I have absolutely loved ever since seeing him as the lead role. And I think this the most swoony romantic lead ever in the history of K-dramas um, in the drama Tamara the Island, which also has some really terrible episodes, um, which I always have to mention. <laughs> um, so Im Ju Hwan doesn't really get lead roles. I think these days he's more like gets a lot of second lead roles and like lately I guess a lot of kind of character stuff like he is in this. But the thing that I think is so fascinating about his character in this is he's definitely the bad guy. He's a bad guy. But the drama spends a lot of time fleshing him out. A lot of time peeling back his layers and making you understand him and who he is and what he's doing and why he's doing it and how he lived. And it it makes him not just the second male lead or the bad guy. He becomes just as big a character in this show as the others. And I think is the most compelling character in the show. And I never thought I'd say that about someone who like you know, is really terrible and murders people. But um, I think it, it kind of, the way that he gets fleshed out in this show, it's a little bit more than you just feeling pity for him. It's not you just pity him because he's a bad guy and he had a bad upbringing. Like, I think the show squeezes like empathy for him, like out of me. That's what it did. I was like, I can't believe how much empathy I have for this man who is also a terrible person who kills people. <laughs> and I don't like those aspects about him, but I think it was just really extraordinary. And I think, I don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't want to say it made me feel uncomfortable because it really, it kind of brought these emotions out of me towards someone who I feel like I shouldn't like. Um, but I guess in a way, maybe, I, I just found his character so compelling and so interesting and realistically so tragic um so I guess what I'll do like the general setup is just that you know there's a murder there's a kidnapping there's you know like a serial mo where they can kind of see that it's the same thing that's happened before everyone has tragic pasts obviously all their tragic pasts are totally connected in with each other and the detective played by eon he has to begin working with a consultant played by Tekion who can see people's deaths because he is able to help her begin to solve this crime which obviously ties back into her past and you know Tekion's past and everything's connected um, and they kind of realize, I think, well, at least Tekion does pretty soon who the bad guy is. And I think that's why this show was very compelling and, you know, why it's called The Game. <laughs> um, I think when I, when I first picked it up, I really thought the show was going to be about, you know, them chasing down Im Ju Hwan's character and not realizing that it was Im Ju Hwan who's the one who did it. But they realize really quickly. They totally know it's him. It's just about getting the evidence to prove it, which is just impossible. So it really does become this really fascinating cat and mouse game where everybody knows who everybody is. And Im Ju Hwan spends a lot of time making it very obvious to them you know, to the people who are chasing him, that he is the correct culprit, but also they can never really get him. So it's very taut sort of edge of your seat stuff, even though I think that this would definitely be probably considered a slow burn thriller. 
So there's heaps more to say, but what I'm going to do now um, is just kind of go through the stuff that made me love this show. Um, So the very, like the first thing that hit me when I watched this is the way that it looks. It just looks beautiful, like sumptuously beautiful. Um, I think the cinematography is very cool. Um, It uses like neon lights and then natural like, you know, um, dusk and dawn and street lamps. So it's like, it's very much so, I don't know, it creates this very moody atmosphere through, I think, the the sources of light. Um, And it's just really, really beautiful. It also has these like very surreal kind of moody dreamscapes that are representing Tekyon's abilities or his dreams that he has and these things that he sees. So there's this one, I guess it's kind of like this nightmare thing that he has and it's like him alone or him as a child or him facing himself as a child in this, you know, just expansive room of nothing. Like everything is black, but it's like, liquid oil black there's no walls there's no differentiation between the roof or the floor it's just liquid oil black and he's just there and it's so creepy um but beautiful like in this very almost nightmarish surreal kind of way so I really liked it there's other moments you know when he meets um he the detective's character and he's like standing staring at her and suddenly they're on this like you know, this, this beach, you know, at low tide, but the water is still just there enough to reflect the sky. And it's just this expanse of stars above them. Like it's so dreamy. And I think just has this surreal quality. And I I think I really liked the way the drama used these kind of moody, surreal dreamscape, almost visions to remind you that Tekyon his character sees the world in a different way than other people. He experiences things in a completely different way. And there's something very, I think it really sets you off balance. So I I really liked, I guess the aesthetic and the mood of this drama really all fits together into this, this slow burn feel of the story unfolding. Um, So that was something that I really loved. The next thing that I absolutely adored was kind of the mythology or I guess, yeah, the, the framework that the drama creates around Tekion's ability to see people's deaths. Um, I feel like that's not a new idea, but I think that the way this drama presented it felt completely unique and original to me. Like as a concept, as an idea, I found it unbelievably exciting. So I think we've all seen in K-dramas before, like there's so many where, or, you know, just movies in general, TV shows where someone can see how other people are going to die. And it's, you know, it can be played for comedy, it can whatever, you know, sometimes you see them uh, in shows and they have, you know, the numbers ticking down above their heads or like timers and things like that. And Tekion's is very different. Like it's very horrific. And I think I really loved the way the drama really delved deep into what that would really be like. But the extra level that kind of blew my mind about it that I just never thought of before. And I just, I thought it was the coolest idea to the point where I wish I'd made it up and I was writing it into a novel. (laughs) Um, is at the beginning of the drama, you know, we understand what Tekion can do when he looks at other people. And then we see this shot where his character goes and he like washes his face or whatever. And then he stands up and he stares at himself in the mirror and he doesn't see his own face. 
he sees the face of an old man and he sees the moment of that old man's death. And it's this beautiful kind of dreamy sunset on this like, you know, low tide beach, the tide's coming in and it's washing around this old man's ankles and he's walking in like a fully clothed through the water and he's stumbling and he's obviously like having a heart attack or something and he falls into the surf and the water's like rushing over half his face and he's dying and he's holding on to this necklace and he's dying and it is such an intense powerful moment and you realize that every single time Tekion's character looks at himself in the mirror every single fucking time his whole life he's seen this same scene of this old man dying and he doesn't recognize the beach he doesn't recognize the old man he doesn't recognize the necklace but he knows that that is his future there is no escape there is no other option for him that is where he's going and he's going to die on that beach and it's so powerful like can you even imagine having that knowledge about yourself like how could you live how could you make decisions Um, everything you do you know and I guess this is one of the big the big, uh, you know, dilemmas or not dilemma, but themes, I suppose, of the drama is this exploration of fate. If you know how you're going to die and every decision you make leads up until that point, then is there any point trying to do anything? Will anything ever change? Is everything just laid out the way that it has to be laid out? Do you have any control? Do you have any power to change things? Um, and I loved the exploration into that idea and that theme and concept. And particularly, I guess, that manifestation of that idea of Tekion having to face his own death every time he looks in the mirror. I cannot even imagine how horrifying that would be. Like, he cannot get away from these things. They have defined his entire life. And of course, he has, you know, an absolutely traumatic backstory. Um, All the main characters do. <laughs> so I loved it. I loved that concept. It was so cool. Um, so the next thing I really loved was Eon Hee. Uh, I kind of talked about it already. Like she has, you know, a tragic backstory as well. And she's just very determined and gritty. And I just want to say grounded and earthy. And I just really liked her in this. Um, but for me, as I said before, the absolute standout was the baddie. So played by Im Ju Hwan, who is, he has just the most intensely tragic backstory and the thing about it that I really loved is I think it went, the show really explores a lot deeper, I think. You know, it's not like we haven't seen, you know, someone who, you know, this kind of thing characterized in a drama before, you know, someone who's really bad, who's made really bad decisions, but they have this really traumatic past and it's really pushed them to be this bad person. And this show, I think, really takes it a level deeper in that you really meet him as a child before he's ever done anything wrong. Like he's an innocent who has just been, you know, constant trauma heaped upon him through through the most horrific things that happened to him as a child. And he ends up at this orphanage and he ends up being you know, reviled and hated by everyone because he's the son of a murderer. And, you know, I've seen it a lot in K-dramas. I don't really get that whole connection that the son of a murderer should be treated like a piece of shit. Like, I, I think that's so, it feels very old fashioned. It feels like something from like the Joseon dynasty, you know, like the, the daughter of a traitor should be made into a slave because her dad, you know, 
tried to usurp the king or whatever. Like, it's just that whole very old school idea of these familial, I guess, connections or blood connections, meaning that you're a bad seed if your dad was a bad seed or some shit like that. I don't even know. But I don't love that kind of thing. But I don't know if it's real or if it's just dramatized. Like, it's very, feels very drama-y. Um, but anyway, you know, I don't know how old he is, like eight or something. And he's in this orphanage and everyone's just fucking mean to him like everyone hates him because of this thing that his dad's done or did his dad do it um which is you know another big mystery of the show um but his whole life is defined by at least that people think his dad has done this terrible thing and Im Ju Hwan starts getting very, very badly bullied by the other kids at this orphanage. And then randomly through you know whatever circumstances Taekyon as a child turns up at this same orphanage and the other kids get wind of Taekyeon's ability to be able to see the death of you know anyone that he looks into their face so they kind of grab him and they grab Im Ju Hwan's you know little child character and they force Taekyeon to look at Im Ju Hwan and say how Im Ju Hwan is gonna die so you've got these two little traumatized, fucked up, like 18 year old boy, uh, sorry, eight, eight year old boys staring at each other. And Taekyeon doesn't want to say it, but he does. And he says to Im Ju Hwan's character, you know, you're going to grow up. And when you are a man, you're going to kill yourself. That is how you're going to die. And it's so intense like I just couldn't believe it when he says this terrible awful thing but also it's true and you know that Im Ju Hwan's character believes him and then it's like you know it's back to that that whole idea of like what creates a monster you know like are you are you truly born a monster or are you created and this moment of you know, Im Ju Hwan being told that he's going to grow older and he's going to kill himself. I think you wonder, like, was that always going to happen? Or does knowing that as an eight-year-old child, knowing that that's your future and there's no escape, does that set you on a path that squeezes you tighter and tighter and makes you make these terrible decisions and become a murderer because that's the only future you can see, that you're just going to jump off a building? when you grow up and there's no escape from it it's so like I guess I was surprised by how sad I felt for him and how much empathy I had for this person who was so fucked up and not a good person like it was just really well done I really liked it anyway um (laughs) so as you can see I felt pretty passionate about I think it was the way it looked, but also the ideas behind the story. Um, And I also felt that the story itself and the twists and turns and the surprises were executed really well. Like I felt like it was a very solid drama. So I do wonder sometimes if I will go back and, you know, I feel like I would have to watch it from the start. Now it feels like I couldn't really just dip back into it so close to the end and I just have forgotten all the minutiae but it's a very very cool show and I do feel like I would suggest it like if you don't mind your k-drama fair to be a bit dark (laughs) and a bit fucked up (laughs) then I think it's you know it's a really good show it's very dreamy and kind of it just sucks you in I think um the last thing I'll mention about it, it also has some really beautiful music and there's particularly, I found this new singer because of it um, and the singer's name is Gogong, so G-O-G-A-N-G and the song that's on the soundtrack is something like Day Always Come On Time, I don't know, <laughs> so it's just a very weird translation but it's beautiful and this singer, Gogong, 
Gogong, Gogong, I think it was Gogong, sorry, <laughs> I didn't write it down very well, um, really beautiful, has some really, really beautiful songs, so that was kind of fun as well, just to discover a new singer through through the soundtrack, um, so yeah, I, I really suggest this show um, if, if you're in the right mood for a dark, slow burn mystery thriller, and that is my discussion on The Game Towards Zero. So the other show that I wanted to talk about today is called How to Buy a Friend, and it is a 2020 youth mystery miniseries, I'm going to say. It has a really nice and I think quite an interesting mix. I feel like the show is trying to be like a little bit more gritty than some of the youth high school set dramas, because this one's set in a high school as well. It's also based on a webcomic. Um, so I feel like it's trying to have a bit of grit to it, like a little bit of darkness in the story. And I think it does succeed, but it also has, like, I don't think it fully leans into it either, which I didn't mind. You know, I think that there's quite a lot of, um, sweetness and lightness and a bit of goof, particularly to the main character that I think it kind of has a nice tone, I think, between that mixing. So you can still like, you feel the danger of the dark parts and, you know, the, the scary mystery elements and the grit of this kind of seedy underbelly that it's trying to expose. But you still have this main character who's this very goofy, sweet, nice boy who comes from, you know, a family background and they just adore him to bits and, you know, his home life with his parents is just adorable to watch. I really loved it. Um, so I think that was really, really nice. I think I actually quite liked how I'm going to, I want to say well-adjusted <laughs> the main character is, you know, he's not one of these tragic boys and he's not like a super rich boy, but he's not a super poor boy. He's like this super average boy. And, um, I think maybe as a writer, I always find it very interesting. You know, if you think about characters in stories, usually they're not super average. Usually they're the chosen one. They're the special one, the one with the abilities or whatever. Um, and I kind of like that he was just, he's the normal one. He's the average one. He's the every boy boy, <laughs> but he's also very sweet. Um, so the main character, uh, Tan Hong is played by the actor Yi Shin Yong. So Ishin Young is, this was my first experience watching him. And like I said, because of the pandemic rolled around, I didn't finish this drama, but I really enjoyed it. And I kept meaning to go back to it. Um, but before I ever did go back to it, because I still have not gone back to it, <laughs> I picked up Crash Landing on You and I watched that drama in full since um, starting this one. And the actor Ishin Young is in Crash Landing on You. He plays, you know, the the very... I'm doing little finger things. Good looking soldier boy. Um, he is good looking, of course, um, but he's the one that everyone's constantly talking about how good looking he is. And he's one of those soldier boys in Hyunbin's little soldier boy posse or whatever they are group. I don't know. <laughs> Army? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, so I thought he was really good in Crash Landing on You, but of course his character in that is very stoic and he doesn't say a lot and he doesn't do a lot and he doesn't use his face a lot, but that's very much so his character. And I think in How to Buy a Friend, you know, he's playing a teenage boy. Like I said, he's this very average sort of goofball. He's also got like a mad Busan accent on him, which is very, very endearing and adorable. Um, so he sounds very cute and he looks really cute. And he just he's like a little bit bumbly, but very likable, I think. And really, he's just this average guy. He has this crush on, you know, the super hot pretty girl at school. And he has a best friend who's like potentially even more ridiculous and average 
average than he is. And, you know, they're not cool boys. They're definitely not the cool boys at school. So what happens is, which I really actually think the the setup of the main plot is actually very funny in that Chan Hong, the main character, is in class and they have to write a poem. And it's for this, you know, potentially a competition where if you win in the class, you'll get sent to represent the school or whatever. So his best friend, who's this other ridiculous boy, is like, just write down some song lyrics from a modern song. The teacher is not going to know, like, song lyrics are beautiful poetry, which I totally agree with. I think song lyrics are totally beautiful poetry. Um, but I think it's very, very funny, the whole scene where these two boys, um, you know, use rap songs basically to write a poem. The funny thing is that the goofy best friend gets found out by the teacher immediately and, you know, uh, gets disqualified. But the teacher doesn't realize that Chen Hong <laughs> has also done the exact same thing. And he's like, your poem is brilliant. And so Chen Hong wins um, from memory. That's what I'm pretty sure has happened. <laughs> been so long it's been so many months um so Chan Hong gets sent off to represent the school um at this I don't know it's kind of like this thing where everyone has to go there and and do whatever their special talent is within a certain time frame and um he goes there and he doesn't know if he can write this poem. The whole thing is like, can he write poems? Can he not write poems? And he goes there and he gets very inspired. It's beautiful. Like the way it's shot is gorgeous. Um, there's great music in the show as well from memory. I really, really liked it. Um, I tried looking up some of it, but I just couldn't seem to find the song that I really liked, which was very annoying. Um, but Chan Hong, like this place that they go to is snow everywhere. It's gorgeous. This girl that he really likes is played by an actress called Kim So Hae. Um, and her, her name in the show is Se Yoon. So Se Yoon is the female lead. He's like crushing on her. And basically she's super popular and just totally out of his league. But, you know, he's a total sweetie. So eventually she comes around and they sort of manage to start dating. She is advertised as the female lead. She's put on the front cover of the poster. Really, I didn't really think, at least from what I watched with the first few episodes, she didn't really seem like that much of a main character. Um, I really liked the romance, but I, I kind of liked it because I liked him. Like she's very beautiful and ethereal and I enjoyed looking at her face. But character wise, he he's who you, I think, really identify with and really like. And because he really likes her and he's so goofy about his crush on her. It's very sweet. So I did really enjoy all that. Um, even though I feel like, um, Chan Hong's ridiculous friend is more of a bigger character in this show. So what we then find out is that Chan Hong is also getting bullied. He begins getting bullied pretty badly and he kind of meets this other dude at school. Who's this very, very scary dude. I'm, I want to say Dung, I think they're called, like, you know, the local scary dude, whatever. So he's played by this absolutely enormous, huge, tall actor called um, Shin Sung Ho, who I've seen in a few different shows. Um, he was in Love Alarm, playing Kim So Hyun's original boyfriend um, for like two seconds, completely shouldn't have even been in there. But anyway, <laughs> that's a different story. Um, he's pretty good in this. I like him. He's just huge. And I think he's good. I don't know. I liked him. He plays a character called Dong Hyok. So Dong Hyok is the scary dude um, around the school. And we also kind of discover peeling back his layers that he is a very poverty stricken dude. Um, you know, he lives by himself in this little shithole and he can barely afford to pay the rent. He's also, I think he's just come out of juvie and also his girlfriend has, I feel like she killed herself. 
but also I've forgotten because it's been like a few months. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, see, this is like, this is why I can't review stuff. This is why I try to review stuff as soon as I've finished watching it. Um, but of course, I, I just think this show is worth your time. And it, if it sounds interesting to you, I think you should give it a go. Even though, you know, I'm probably being a bit misleading with my talking about the plot. Um, so anyway, what happens is that Tan Hong, the main average dude character, I guess sort of decides to buy Don Hyok's friendship. Um, so to protect him from these bullies. And in return, Chan Hong is going to help Don Hyok figure out what the fuck happened to his girlfriend who is dead. And this is where the darkness of the show really starts bleeding in and this mystery element of what happened to this girl. And this, it's actually like, it's quite full on, um, which is an interesting, like I said, mix with this goofy sweetheart of a main character mixed with this idea that, you know, this girl in high school, these rumors start swirling around her that she's like, I guess, you know, getting it on with a lot of people and he's her boyfriend and he can't really handle it. And he doesn't really know if he believes her and, and it really breaks her heart because what's happening to her is really fucked up. And she's getting like, I want to say, um, you know, there's some sort of like creepy ring of dudes who are into high school girls and she's not being treated well and her life is fucked and everyone just sort of turns away. And it's really, really fucking sad. And I think Don Hyok makes this mistake of not telling her that he believes in her and they have this fight and he does that, you know, that really alpha male like kicking and pushing stuff over and walks off in a huff. And of course, you know, she dies and he's left with, with this guilt that he fucked things up and she was a nice girl. And it's really, really, really sad. And now, you know, he's so kind of shattered by the guilt. He really needs to find out what happened. Um, so I think the concept and that kind of setup is actually quite interesting. And like I said, I do like the mix. It's like, it is really dark. It has these, some very dark concepts and ideas and aspects to the show, but it's not like a melodrama and it's not going to hurt you too much, I suppose, to watch it. Like it is dark, but the lightness really balances it out. So I think it, it, it almost leans more into the youth drama kind of lighter kind of side, even though it does certainly deal with these very distressing aspects as well. Um, so I really liked it. Um, I thought it was a really good show. It's a very short one. Like I said, it's based on a web comic. Um, and I think if you did watch Crash Landing on You and you do like Ishan Young, um, it's a really fun one. He's just very adorable and sweet in this. And um, I think it's an easy watch as well. So, you know, obviously to do with the length, but also just I think the way it feels. It's it's not a really hard drama. And I think it is emotional, but it's not emotional in a way that's going to like murder your heart and rip it out and stomp on it. Like, you know, other shows like, you know, Mr. Sunshine or whatever. <laughs> um, so anyway, I think that's all I'll say. Um, but I think it's definitely worth your time. And again, if you do watch it and you watch it to the end, I'd really love to know your thoughts. Like it, if it's worth for me to go back, my problem is now I've talked about it on the podcast. So, <laughs> oh, so it's kind of onto different dramas for me so that I'll have more to talk about on the podcast. It's kind of interesting. I think how much that, you know, doing this podcast has really begun to impact the way I watch dramas, but not in a bad way. I have to say, like, I'm not complaining at all because the one cool thing it's done is now I have this kind of 
instead of K-dramas being a guilty pleasure that takes up way too much of my time <laughs> and me feeling bad about it because I could be doing something more productive, I'm like, no, I have to watch dramas. Like, I have to because of my podcast. <laughs> so it's actually just given me, you know, more, more legitimacy, legitimacy around um, spending all my fucking time watching my K-dramas. So I don't mind. It's pretty good. Um, so obviously there's upsides and downsides, but frankly, like 99% upside. <laughs> um, all right. So that's all I'm going to say on how to buy a friend. Only eight episodes, um, kind of a youth mystery thriller. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I think it was, I think it was actually really good. Um, I do wish I'd watched the rest of it, but as you can see, I've already forgotten the minutiae. So, um, I'll probably have to start again from the beginning if I do, which feels unappealing. Okay, so now it's time for my random thing this week. And as always, it is very random and completely unrelated to anything I've been talking about with you guys at all. Of course. So um, I have been a fan for a long time of, you know, I guess I stumbled across these old Korean paintings from the Joseon dynasty from, you know, painted by an artist during the Joseon dynasty. I really, really love them. I think they're so beautiful. And I just sort of, I guess I've been looking at them a little bit lately. Um, they're just really really wonderful depictions of daily life during the Joseon dynasty. And I love looking at them for, you know, the clothes that people are wearing, like the hanbok and just all the different outfits. Um, I really love it. It's a window into the way things were. Although I do think it's probably a very romanticized window um, because the paintings are just so atmospheric and beautiful. Um, so I guess I just wanted to tell you guys the painter's name and maybe tell you what you could Google if you'd like to have a look. Um, so the artist's name was uh, Shin Yun Bok. So that's Shin, S-H-I-N, Yun, uh, Y-U-N, Bok, B-O-K, Bok. So Shin Yun Bok. Um, but apparently he was better known by his pen name, Hewon. I didn't know that. I've only ever seen him as Shin Yun Bok. Um, so Hewon uh, was alive between 1758 and 1813 and was a Korean painter of the Joseon dynasty. So he had a lot of different art that he did. Um, but the ones that I really, really love are called Hewon, which is his name. So Hewon uh, Pangsokdo. So Pangsokdo is an album of his genre paintings, um, which is interesting. So these are 30 paintings in total um, that apparently were purchased in 1930 um, by a Korean man um, from Japan. So obviously that, you know, during the occupation, somehow these paintings had found their way to Japan. And so he brought them back to Korea. So now they are considered, what is it? The 135th national treasure of South Korea. Um, so I've never seen them in real life because I'm an idiot. I did go to Seoul where they are kept and just didn't really organize myself to go and look at them. Um, so that's something on my list of things that I desperately want to do in my life. Um, so this, you know, this group of 30 paintings, um, the Hewon Pangsokdo, this album, um, they're just so amazing. And I think it's really interesting. There's a lot of um, Gisang painted in them and just daily life, people 
dancing and people at the river, you know, washing clothes or gossiping at the well or having parties or just walking around. Um, they're just really, really stunning. So I definitely suggest that you check them out if you have time. So that's Hewon Pangsok Do is the album name. Um, Shin Yunbok is the artist and his pen name was Hewon. Um, I think they're gorgeous. Okay, so I just wanted to quickly say this week's huge thank you to my Patreon supporters. Um, it means a huge amount to me that you guys are on there and that you support what I do and that you like what I do enough to do that. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. I super, super appreciate it. Mm -hmm. 